This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Thursday afternoon, July 21st, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. What do you think of our new sound? Brand new uh, production music uh, on the air for a couple of hours today, uh, freshening things up after a decade. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Amazon is buying healthcare provider One Medical. We'll break down the deal in our next segment. But right now, it's a busy day for data, including fresh reports on manufacturing and jobless claims. We're joined by Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh. Gus, thanks for joining us today. Jobless claims the Philly Fed and leading economic indicators taken as an aggregate, what type of picture are they painting today? Uh, they paint in a picture of an economy that is slowing. Uh, so, you know, we the second quarter looks to be okay, but it definitely looks like we're seeing a weakening in the third quarter of 2022. I think it's too early to say that the economy is in recession or heading to recession, but certainly there are, there are some warning signals out there. And then when it comes to uh, some of the, uh, the the numbers that we're seeing today, especially when it comes to uh, leading economic indicators, is that based on uh, actual business conditions or is that based on the perception of business conditions? Because there's a, a lot of negative news that's just floating in the ether these days. It's a combination of those things. So there are some things that are actual economic indicators, like the where interest rates are and things like that. But there are also some business surveys. There are some consumer sentiment surveys. So it's a mixture of the two. But uh, either way, it just does not look particularly good. On the jobless claims front, uh, going up once again, a sign the labor market is cooling down, up 7,000 from the week before, above the Dow Jones estimate, and uh, possibly the the highest in reading uh, since last year. Um, What can we take away as far as the uh, the job market is concerned it's still uh, it's still better than it's been in many a decade but at the same time it sounds like it's starting to cool off it is. We are starting to see businesses uh, slow their hiring. We're starting to see layoffs in some businesses. That being said, it is still a very tight labor market out there, and people who do lose their jobs, they're finding it pretty easy to get a new one. So uh, I expect that we'll see slower job growth in the second half of this year compared to what we experienced in the first half of 2022, but still solid. Uh, and the unemployment rate should may, remain comfortably below 4% through the rest of this year. And if uh, you're Jerome Powell and you are uh, parsing the numbers today. Uh, do you look at this and say, well, the uh, the interest rate hikes that we have been doing and will continue to do are having their intended effect? I, I think so. I think you say that uh, the economy is still expanding, but at a slower pace, which which is what the Fed wants to achieve, that we're 
going to get a little more slack in the labor market over the next six, 12 months or so. Uh, and then, I, you know, there's nothing here that would tell the Fed to put on the brakes to stop raising interest rates, but to continue along the, the path that they're moving along and that this should help bring inflation back down to 2%, not, uh, you know, in the next six months or so, but over the next couple of years. Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, Amazon takes a deeper dive into healthcare. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Amazon is acquiring primary healthcare provider One Medical in an all-cash deal valued at just under $4 billion. Let's take a closer look with Gary Kultbaum, president of Kultbaum Capital Management based in Orlando. Gary, uh, thanks for joining us once again today. How does One Medical, or how does it fit, or how will it fit into the, uh, the, the range of services that Amazon already provides? Uh, the word is perfectly. Uh, you know, Jeff Bezos uh, has an affinity of finding industries and deciding that they're inefficient and need worked on. And he tries to, you know, uh, get companies and then move on. He bought PillPack, which launched online pharmacy. And now he basically thinks that the healthcare experience needs to be more affordable and accessible. So what, what's to do? buy one of these companies that have all these places you go out to that's already there, pay some cash, which is like a footnote for them, and and grow. And I suspect this will be big stuff uh, for them going forward. And by the way, it's membership-based. Guess what Amazon is? Membership-based. So they're staying in their wheelhouse. They now have another list of people that they can address to. A, A very smart move on his part. And who, uh, as, far, as far as Amazon's competitors are concerned, uh, who uh, stands to, uh, uh, who has to do the most to respond to this? Is it Walmart, which is also uh, in the healthcare space? Is it CVS, which is teaming up with insurance companies? Or is it someone else? Uh, all the above. Uh, when you see these, uh, you know, centers as you uh, drive uh, every street where you can, uh, emergency clinics or just regular clinics, or the doctor, or any nurse uh, practitioner, any, anything out there. What they're going to try to be is your place to go. And I gather they're going to market it like crazy to the millions of people that are already on Amazon Prime to explain what they do. They're already in some major markets around the country. I expect them to expand that also. And I'll just give you their quote that they think the experience needs to be reinvented towards more towards the consumer and that's what they're going to try to address. And if they do it well, they're going to market it big and uh, expect it to go big. For health and hospital systems, uh, how do they feel about Amazon and other retailers getting into this space? Um, do they see them as a threat or are they more than happy to kind of offload the the, the regular well care visits to something else so they can they can devote the space and the effort to uh, to larger initiatives? Well, I suspect uh, any time somebody goes somewhere else than your business, it's, it's that, that, that what someone else is, is not a good thing. So I, I believe it's competition any way you cut it. I do believe there is a component of, oh, okay, let them go there. But uh, when all is said and done, any business is about how many people that can be put in front of you. So if there's one more big outlet like the Amazon now, and, and again, I expect it to go really big, uh, it is less for other places. Simple as that. The FANG stocks have uh, taken their lumps in the last six months. Your recommendation for Amazon stock today? 
Uh, all I can tell you is most of the technology arena bottomed in the last few weeks. I'm not sure if it's the bottom, but right now it is definitely getting the money flows. Uh, as far as their earnings coming out, I think they'll beat. But keep in mind, these big gargantuan companies, it's very tough to grow the business like they did in the past. And strong growth is what makes stocks go higher. So it's gonna, there's going to be some real trying times going forward. And that's for Apples and the rest of them. Not because things are bad, but they're just that big. Gary Kaltbaum, president of Kaltbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando, Florida. Find him online at GaryK.com. Coming up next, United Airlines reaches a major profit milestone. A conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Chicago-based United Airlines posted its first quarterly profit since the start of the pandemic. Let's discuss that success and what it means for the coming months with Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University. Joe, thanks for joining us today. If you listen to the comments from CEO Scott Kirby, the overwhelming impression uh, is that uh, he's cautiously optimistic about the future. They definitely turned that pandemic corner, but uh, they've really dialed back on growth plans in the coming in the coming year yeah it's a good way to look at it and he uh voiced a little frustration particularly with london heathrow which uh, he claims uh didn't believe him when he said we're going to have big traffic coming and so they weren't ready so united's had to cut back its operation you know especially at newark and london and he threw on that the staff shortages we saw they missed their earnings target by a pretty significant margin you know despite having pretty healthy profits you know wall street's not pleased their stock has fallen and it just shows how tough things are on the cost side right now for the airlines. And then as far as uh, as as United is concerned, what are the major choke points for them right now? Is it still personnel and, and getting the pilots and the flight attendants and the support staff back, or is it fuel prices? You know, it's, it's, it's remarkable that uh, um, they have uh, tremendous success on the uh, fare side. I mean, average fares are up 24% since 2019, you know, last year pre, uh, pre-pandemic. You know, some of that's due to inflation and everything, but much of that's just due to they have great pricing power right now. People are traveling, they're willing to pay and so forth. But they have kind of three uh, skeletons that are emerging, and one you mentioned is, is labor shortages. So they just haven't been able to run the airline to the size that they need, you know, so their capacity is down 7 8 10% in some cases. And you're still paying for the, uh, you know, the leases on the airplanes and the uh, gates and so forth. You have a lot of fixed costs, so it just drives up your cost when you're not keeping everything going. And then, of course, uh, these fuel prices are just off the chart. And that's really put a pinch on the airlines, uh, and it's been a little worse than Wall Street expected. And what type of, what type of uh, schedule triage is uh, United uh, performing to, uh, to scale the airline to what they've got right now? Uh, are they just uh, focusing on the highways in the sky, the Chicago to New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Chicago, Los Angeles, and kind of dialing back on the, 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 the routes between Chicago and smaller cities? They are, and certainly uh, the little routes are um, a tough, tough to make work right now with these high fuel prices because of higher fuel burn per passenger mile on these little regional jets. And so they are shifting to bigger planes. You know, Europe has been a sense of chaos lately, and we didn't really see that coming. We, we expected the U.S. to be, for example, the, the problem over Fourth of July weekend, and the U.S. ran pretty well in Europe. All these airports are cutting back, so they have some real thinking to do about how much risk uh, in Europe. But uh, uh, Scott Kirby, United CEO, is saying we do expect uh, a gradual ramp-up, but it may not really be back to normal till next summer. 
And that certainly has uh, analysts worried that, uh, you know, this bounce back uh, is going to be a, a slog for the airlines because of, of labor shortages. Uh, but that said, all three of the big airlines made profit, you know, Delta United and American, uh, the big legacy carriers. And so they're clearly things are on the mend. Joe Schwederman, professor of public services, director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, Facebook redesigns its home feed. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden is dealing with what's being described as a case of COVID 19 with minor symptoms. More to come in a special report from CBS News. Technology Thursday, there's a new look for Facebook as the site works toward becoming more of a discovery engine. Also, on the tech front, Google is set for another public test of its augmented reality glasses. WBBM Business. The markets are mixed right now. The Dow is down 36, the Nasdaq is up 96, and the S&P 500 is up 16. AccuWeather says sunny to partly cloudy and hot. couple of spots could see a thunderstorm this afternoon and a high today of 92. Right now we have 87 degrees at O'Hare, 89 degrees at Midway, 85 at the lakefront at 1231. CBS News Special Report. President Biden has tested positive for COVID. The White House says he's experiencing mild symptoms and for now is working in isolation. First Lady Jill Biden delivered a bit of encouragement on her way to Detroit. He's fine. He's feeling good. She says he's doing good, and so is she. The First Lady tested negative this morning. More now from CBS's Dr. David Agus. President Biden has had four shots of the COVID-19 vaccine. So the, the two shots for the initial vaccination program, as well as two boosters. But given his age, that puts him in the, quote, elderly status, end quote. And he is starting Paxlovid as of this morning. But there are still big concerns. Political analyst Leonard Steinhorn. The fact that it's the president of the United States makes it far more than a matter of his health. Until we see his full recovery, this is bound to rattle nerves in Washington, around the country, and all over the world. CBS News Special Report. I'm Monica Ricks. It's 12.32. The Noon Business Hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are mixed right now. We're joined by Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Man uh, Strategist with Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Uh, let's not just talk about market activity today, but the market activity this week. What are some of the major movers? Uh, is it still uh, is it Netflix? Is it Tesla? Or is it just uh, this general belief there are no surprises so far as uh, companies report second quarter earnings? Well, Rob, we really have had you know a big move in the market here. It's been uh, really driven by growth stocks, by uh, Tech Plus. Bangs. And that certainly includes a Tesla and a Netflix and uh, Microsoft and, and Google. Uh, a lot of those names have been strong here, really, actually, since almost since late May. 
Uh, and we've had a, a big turn in the market overall uh, since mid-June, uh, much higher. Uh, so a really nice rally going on, um, you know, driven by expectations that uh, while the Fed is now raising rates, eventually they will actually lower rates uh, to re-stimulate the economy after this series of rate hikes that we're currently in the middle of. Uh, depending on the day of the week, though, there are still uh, the sessions in which you see maybe a 200 or 300 law point loss in the Dow and, and a, a sharply negative turn to the other two major indices uh, because someone gets uh, the recessionary jitters. Uh, do those uh, does that anxiety, does that concern still persist? Because so far, um, if you look at the numbers, uh, the team soft landing uh, for the as far as the Fed is concerned is uh, having has a pretty strong case these days? Well, a soft landing of the economy, uh, in other words, the Fed, after raising rates, uh, actually is able to keep the economy out of a recession and energize growth again. That's a long way away. I'd say it's at least six months away. And between now and then, we're going to have a lot of Fed rate hikes. So we would say this rally we've seen, while it's nice for portfolios, equity portfolios, uh, is very premature. Uh, now, you know, uh, markets have, often have a mind of their own and they might keep marching forward. But we're going to have a big rate hike next week, 75 basis points. <clears throat> we don't have a, a Fed meeting in August, but the Fed might do something in August uh, off cycle. Uh, and September, we'll certainly see another at least 50 basis point rate hike and, and more to come. So we think we're a long way away here from uh, any real stability in this very volatile market. Uh, it's really traders in there uh, looking for short-term gains uh, who have probably profited in this uh, run-up we've had, recent run-up. And then looking at uh, the oil and gasoline markets, uh, oil once again uh, trading below $100 a barrel, gasoline futures down once again, uh, signs that uh, the relief we've been experiencing at the gas pump uh, may continue for a little while longer. Uh, what's going to happen uh, the next time we have a, a CPI print or a PPI print? Uh, how is that going to look uh, with, uh, with, uh, with gas prices uh, coming down, uh, taking some uh, pressure off, some inflationary pressure out of the economy. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's certainly great to see uh, the price of, of oil and gas retreat a bit here. Uh, we don't think oil and gas are going to be uh, going down much further, unfortunately. Uh, and inflation, you know, while we'll see some good prints here coming up, probably some reasonably good prints, uh, it still has a long way to fall to get down to the Fed's 2% goal. Uh, even the Fed says it's not going to make that goal by uh, the first quarter of next year. So uh, we've got a really Hank, a long battle here ahead of us uh, to keep um, prices down and, and get them down to a, a level that is uh, reasonable and, and actually helps our economy grow uh, strongly again. Uh, we've got a lot more negativity, we think, ahead of us here, and uh, we would urge uh, investors to be cautious. 
Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist with Ingalls & Snyder based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, the latest in a Facebook makeover. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Facebook is redesigning the home feed for users. Let's find out what's prompting that change. We welcome in Angelo Zeno, Senior Equity Analyst with CFRA Research based in New York. Angelo, uh, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Uh, it sounds like Facebook, after a, a long time of being the leader in the social media space, as has been forced into becoming a follower, trying to reconfigure the news feed to look more like TikTok and other social media feeds that are being adopted by younger users. Yeah, no, listen, I think there's definitely some truth to that, right? I mean, Facebook or, you know, Meta over the years has really kind of, um, you know, they've done a great job really kind of building that installed base up. But now if you kind of look at all their platforms um, and then unique visitors across all their different platforms out there, the core four, uh, they now essentially kind of cater to over 40% of the global population. So there's just limited room to really grow out there on there and in terms of the installed base. And now you've got some big players out there, or rising competitors, specifically to your, the point you mentioned, um, TikTok, but even Snap, you know, to a to a lesser degree, but you know, catering more to some of the the younger demographics out there. And those companies are really taking some market share um, within the ad space. And um, at this point in time, really, you know, some of the moves that we've seen here today um, is really more along the lines of kind of Meta looking to emphasize more along the lines of some of those. Um, competitive threats out there and just make their platform a lot more kind of appealing to some of the advertisers out there. The Facebook website uh, in the United States versus the rest of the world, uh, it's very different because uh, there are some portions of the world in which Facebook is the Internet, and uh, in the U.S. it is simply an application. Um, uh, how does that play into uh, their, their redesign? Is, is this something we're going to see in the United States, or is this going to be rolled out worldwide? Yeah, no, I, I think you're going to see kind of, uh, you know, a global redesign of just um, the, not only, you know, on, and necessarily kind of, you know, Facebook's website, but just ac across their entire ecosystem over the next, you know, several years. And um, it's more along the lines of, you know, whether it be, you know, whether we're talking about the metaverse and the opportunities alongside there um, and how they're going to reposition themselves utilizing the metaverse and leveraging that approach. Um, among other, you know, or, you know, whether it be these short form videos, which, they, you know, is clearly where um, consumers out there are really gravitating to, right? Um, those 15 second or shorter videos out there. So um, we'd expect to see more and more of that. You kind of look at how much Apple, uh, how much um, uh, Meta is being punished this year, about $10 billion because of some of Apple's ad tracking changes. So they, it's it's a must for them to kind of look for these new revenue revenue opportunities and kind of redefine themselves. Looking down the road, is it true that uh, Facebook kind of has a perception problem among younger users as uh, that's uh, mom and dad's application and that uh, younger users need their own space uh, independent of their parents? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some issues going on there in terms of um, Meta's ability to kind of um, cater to the younger audience out there, right? I mean, you look at someone like a, a, a Snap out there, and about 80% of their platform caters to 
a, a population of under 25 years old. And, you know, then you kind of look at the relative age on average age on, on Facebook's website, and that's closer to 40. So um, and, and clearly advertisers are going to go towards the platforms that, you know, that are, are catering to the, the younger population, because over the next 10 to 15 years, that population is going to do so much and it's just going to be so much more appealing to um, the advertising space out there. Very quickly, your recommendation for Meta stock. Yeah, I mean, we do have a hold recommendation on the stock, and um, 12 month target price is uh, $240. So, I mean, it's cheap stock, but nonetheless, I mean, the, we think the growth opportunities over the next couple of years are probably going to be limited. Angelo Zeno, Senior Equity Analyst, CFRA Research, based in New York. Thanks for joining us. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A group of testers will take Google's prototype AR glasses into the real world next month. Let's talk about what they're looking to learn from Matt Wren, co-founder and chief technology officer of Bundle AR, based in Chicago. Matt, thanks for joining us today. The Google Glasses, the much maligned piece of wearable technology that became uh, almost a, a symbol of Silicon Valley excess, uh, seems to be getting a second look, no pun intended, uh, as we start talking about moving into the metaverse. Uh, what can we learn from Google Glasses 2.0, or what does uh, Google hope to learn from them? Well, thank you for having me back, Rob. Um, you know, what they're looking to learn at this point is when Google Glasses first came out, it was early. People were not ready for you know other people to be wearing sensors and recording devices on their faces um we're, we're a little bit further along now it's, it's a little more common for people to you know just see other people walking around with their cell phone up recording all of the time the google glasses that are coming out now what they're doing is it's a small group of testers and they're going to basically be testing the sensing capabilities and how it's going to be used as augmented reality glasses really progress so being able to just you know does it work in a busy intersection? Is it able to detect, you know, the difference between a person's face or traffic or a sign? Some of the things that augmented reality is really going to work against right now, the glasses just out there just sort of gather data and test the capabilities. And I think at this portion, um, you know, it's yet to be seen, you know, what type of applications from Google Glasses uh, using AR uh, will will have the greatest degree of acceptance among the public. Uh, just thinking out loud right now, uh, if you are walking somewhere and uh, you are trying to find something and you're using a Maps application, uh, you can overlay the map over the glasses, and it can help you find your destination uh, much quicker and safer than looking down at your phone. Absolutely. Two, two, that's actually one of the biggest use cases they've talked about is overlaying navigation. One of the other big ones is translation. Uh, so being able to have the glasses like detect something that's written in a language and you could have it translated to your language of choice. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're probably aware that there is a Google Translate. There's, there's a very common tool, Google Translate, and having that capability right in front of your eyes in augmented reality can be very powerful. So the, basically, the Star Trek Universal Translator is uh, one step closer to reality uh, if this second version of uh, Google Glasses hits the market. What are some secondary, though, so some, some down-the-road features uh, that engineers are talking about or people in your space are talking about uh, that uh, could become common applications uh, maybe two or three years down the line? Sure. So, you know, one of the things that Bundle AR focuses on is we focus on just-in-time support for, you know, we work with the military, but also with field service technicians. So if you think about it, if you're, you know, an electrician who's out on a call or if you're a field service technician on something like an ATM machine or a vending machine, 
And you're going to go out there and have to diagnose a machine. Maybe you've got some direct experience with it. Maybe you've just got a base of knowledge and you need specific instructions in front of you. The ability to have that type of information displayed right in front of you in augmented reality as you're on site, it can do a lot of things. It can reduce the amount of errors on the work. It can reduce the amount of time you have to spend on a call. So it's a really powerful technology, and that's a great use case. That's what we're focusing on right now. Matt Wren, co-founder and chief technology officer of Bundle AR based in Chicago. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.